Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Folks uh, on Zoom, welcome to folks on Zoom. Glad that you're here. Uh, So let me invite you to find a table or a seat anywhere you like. Uh, There are some handouts, so if you're not at a table, you might want the handouts. Uh, There are four at the tables. One is the mid-year newsletter, which hopefully you got with your giving statement. Um, If not, you'll get it soon. We just had some extras. Those are on the table. Uh, there, one, there should be one that says Income Task Force and 14 uh, or 16 uh, proposals there, uh, a spreadsheet of our budget year to date, and then something that says since 2010. So there should be four on your tables, three that are critical, if, uh, well, critical, but are part of uh, what we're doing tonight. Um, I just discovered that we probably don't even need to have this meeting. Rodney told me he told you everything I'm going to say 10 years ago. So unless you're new to the church, like, I think we could just say a prayer and go home. So no, Um, we're going to go a little little deeper than that. So I'd like to begin this with a prayer, and then we're going to kind of work our way into uh, what we want to share tonight. Thank you. First of all, thank you all for being here. I appreciate that a lot. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this day and for the blessings of this day, the blessing of worship this morning, the blessing of fellowship with with friends, maybe a time to rest, maybe a time to get some things done today. Thank you for the rain that's coming this afternoon. Uh, Thank you for all the ways you pour out blessings upon us. And now we ask for, in this meeting, for you to lead and guide us. Uh, Give us ears to hear what you want us to hear and eyes to see what you want us to see. And hearts and minds that are open uh, to, to think about things in perhaps a new way. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Emily and I are going to kind of tag team a lot of this today. She's sort of running Zoom, and then we're going to go back and forth. Um, so just a little bit of background, and, and some of you have heard parts or, or most of this, or maybe even all of it, um, in different ways. Maybe you'll hear it differently this afternoon. Maybe you'll pick up a detail you didn't before, or maybe it'll all come together for you. Um, Let me just start with just a little bit of just kind of lead in. Um, I I started serving as an associate pastor at First United Methodist Church Winter Park in 1994 and went to my first finance meeting uh, in June of 1994, I think, and I've been going to church finance meetings ever since. I did not take finance or accounting in college or in seminary. And so it was in church meetings, finance meetings, that I learned how to read a spreadsheet and I learned about endowments and I learned about uh, memorial gifts and designated gifts and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and that's been a learning process. That didn't come natural to me, but over the years, I, I've kind of figured all that stuff out to be at least competent when I go to these meetings to understand. Um, but when I came here, It took me longer to figure out our finances. Uh, First Church has complicated finances, and we'll go over that a little bit tonight. Um, We have all the pieces, but how they have been deployed in different ways is 
is complicated and different funds and this fund can be used for this and can't be used for that. This is in the operating budget. This isn't in the operating budget, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so uh, once we were into the pandemic, it started coming together for me. And I had a meeting with John Stiles Williams and Mike Barnhill and Emily. And I said, I just need to kind of lay this out. To, y'all tell me if I'm seeing what I'm, what I think I'm seeing here. And we use the image of of whack-a-mole. Uh, anybody ever seen whack-a-mole at, uh, at Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, anybody want to describe how the game whack-a-mole works? Whack-a-mole. You whack a mole. That's but yeah. And so yeah, yeah. So you know, and then and then they they start coming up at faster speed, right? And you're whacking these things down. And that became an image sort of of our finances in a way um, that, that year to year, we found different, uh, different things to whack the mole down um, or a couple moles this year or next year, a couple, three moles. Uh, what happens as the game progresses? Anybody? It gets faster and faster. The moles start popping up faster and if you, and, and you, got to hit them faster. And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the moles. Um, and some of, and some of where this is coming from was we ended, uh, 2021, this is 2022, 2021, knowing that we had not funded the budget for 2022. We knew that, um, from, from our traditional sources of income, Thankfully, we had a significant amount of reserves from a PPP grant, two PPP grants that were given from the federal government that were forgiven. We used them as we were instructed to do so, but that created some surplus uh, to the extent that this year's budget, about a $1.7 million budget, about 330000 of that is coming from reserves from last year from PPP dollars, well, from reserves we were able to enjoy because of PPP money. It's important that we not say we're using PPP money to do these things because we've already spent the PPP money. We have reserves. I see blank looks already. Good. Um, hang in there. We'll get you there. So we realized at the end, of, at, as we began the year, as we ended last year, this is a one-time deal, right? If you use $330,000 of reserves, uh, we we enjoyed a couple of years. Enjoyed we had a couple of years there during the pandemic. weren't spending as much because we weren't practicing programming as much. We are now. We're back to spending the money. So if you're spending close to 100 percent of your budget, but 30, 330,000 of your budget came from reserves that don't get replenished. We're not getting another PPP grant, right? We got to figure out how to make up that difference. That started us on a journey, which you'll hear about that and more tonight. So Emily, why don't you come and talk more about? that. Way, um, for folks that are on Zoom and everybody else, we will have a time for Q&A at the end. If you're on Zoom, just go ahead and type it in the comments and we'll, we'll grab those then. All right. Hey, John, can you go on to the next slide, I think? So, $330,000 that we received from 
uh, payroll protection plan grant monies. And that money was used appropriately, right? We kept track of how that money was spent. Um, and it was for us, uh, for the whole organization. So that included the church as well as the Wesley Center. And a lot of um, the money for that was to be used for salaries, um, some facility related costs. And so we were able to, we used all of that appropriately and, and had all of that money forgiven, which is wonderful. And because of the faithfulness of people in this room who continue to give and to support First Church throughout the pandemic, when we were maybe not meeting in person or we were meeting hybrid or we were meeting in all sorts of different ways, um, we were able to create these surpluses. And so in some ways, in really weird ways, when you think about it, like the pandemic in a way was a gift <laughs> because I don't know where else we would have gotten 330,000 kind of extra dollars, if you will, um, that we could put towards our 2022 budget. We still have some of that remaining in reserves um, for 2023 or beyond, um, but, but eventually that money is gonna go away. <laughs> um, it's not like in every year, like here's this money that keeps coming to you. Um, it's limited, it's finite. And so knowing that, knowing that we uh, were um, allocating this reserve money in our 2022 budget and knowing that it's gonna eventually run out, um, Vance worked with a group of folks um, and myself and there were church leaders on this team and income task force. And I think you guys have a handout from that. Um, so I just ask you to turn your attention to that. This was identifying at first kind of just, all right, so when the $330,000 runs out, <laughs> what are some ways that we can recoup some of that money? What can we do? Um, so obviously recommend church council and staff make membership, attendance, and participation growth a priority, both in the immediate short term as well as long term. And yeah, that's financially related, but that's also part of our mission as a church <laughs> to increase participation, to go out into the community and to do the work of the church. So really that's always part of our task, right? Like that's always something that we're seeking to do. And let's also be real, $330,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> and, um, and we would have to bring in like buku people <laughs> just to get those those dollars. And that's not really why we should be bringing people in. We, we should be bringing people in because we want to um, share the love and the grace of God. So what other sources can we look to, to bring in some of this, um, this revenue that we will need? Um, Camp Wesley, uh, looking to restart that for 2023. We looked at that for 2022. And um, while we put out registrations and we're seeking uh, for campers to join us, um, we didn't have enough signed up to break even. And we had a hard conversation of like, do we do this camp knowing we're not even going to like recoup our costs for it? And so it was a hard conversation, but we've learned and uh, we're making plans for next summer for 2023. Uh, the Wesley board kind of proactively uh, worked um, and, and looked at their finances and said, uh, well, you know, thank you, church, for not having a Wesley transfer um, throughout the pandemic. Um, there are some shared costs with having a preschool, with having a school that's part of our organization. And so over the years, this Wesley transfer came from their budget into the church operating budget to offset these shared expenses. One of them is like pretty simple. There's about $28,000 that the church pays in insurance um, to have 
a preschool, <laughs> to have liability insurance and, and things like that. And so we've paid that. But again, that's a shared expense. If we didn't have a preschool, we wouldn't have that expense. And so um, how do we cover that cost? So throughout the pandemic, we have not had a Wesley transfer. We said, you know, you're, they were shut down for a while. Their enrollment had declined. Um, there was a, a lot of uncertainty. And, and so the church said, you know, it's okay. <laughs> like, do what you can. <laughs> do what you can to maintain the program and to um, keep teachers employed and to have a safe and um, safe and healthy school. And Kimberly and the staff have done a tremendous job of doing that, um, of reaching out and ministering to our families and um, trying to increase enrollment based as parents and um, families felt comfortable having their kids back in a school setting. And uh, they were able to end 2021 with some reserves. And some of that is due to some grant money that they received um, through federal dollars that was directly for early learning and childhood care centers. Um, and also just good stewardship and management of their funds. They ended the year in 2021 in the, with you know, reserves um, that they have set aside. And they went ahead and kind of made the decision. I believe Julie Mitchell's here and she's on the Wesley um, board. I believe back in May, uh, made that decision to go ahead and say, and Carol Latham's here, um, made that decision to transfer some of their reserves to the church. Like they didn't wait for finance to ask. They didn't wait for church council or anybody else to ask. They said, hey, like we know we have not been transferring money. And so in good faith, we're going to make this pledge that we're going to transfer some out of our 2021 reserves to the, to the church operating budget, which they have done. The church operating budget has received those and has set those aside. We're not using them in 2022. Um, we're going to save them for 2023, basically, to help with that. Um, kind of offset that we're looking for. And then they've also making a plan to transfer money for the remainder of 2022, as well as going forward for the future. Um, so that's some nitty gritty about the Wesley Center and some of that transfer. Um, Cause I feel like it's helpful to understand why we have that transfer and where it comes from and things like that. Some of the other recommendations from that in income task force, uh, looking at how we use our facilities. Um, we have a big, beautiful building, and we have rooms that we don't use all the time. So how do we, um, how do we better utilize our facility, better activate our space? And so working with John Stiles Williams and trustees and um, Chef Crystal, who's been operating in our kitchen, um, to kind of seek out partnerships, whether that's with Dr. Phillips across the street whether that's with um, outside groups that are looking to um, have meeting space. This summer, we had Orange County Public Schools back here, um, and that's why the tables are set up um, for them to be meeting tomorrow morning to start their work for test prep. Um, so those are just some of the short-term partnerships that we have restarted after the pandemic, and um, those, are, those are good things. We also have our partnership with um, Homeless Services Network, and HSN, so they're on the first floor and what was the church offices, as well as also space on the third floor. And um, there's kind of two sources of revenue that come from that. There's their rental, kind of what they pay per square footage, which we've set aside for our maintenance reserve. So we have some funds that are for kind of the updating and kind of caring for these facilities. Um, 
This morning when Barry came into the building, we didn't have any AC. Like AC was off. And so thankfully it came back on and it was cooled by the time worship was was happening here in this space and then as well as also in the sanctuary. Uh, But maintenance reserve, those monies are for things like air conditioning repair and some of these unexpected expenses. And so it's a really great partnership that we've started with HSN to be able to have some funds to go towards things like running our building and keeping it climate controlled. Also, there's utilities related to HSN, kind of pass-through expenses, their shared expenses for being in the building. And some of those are part of our budget uh, for this year. And we see going forward that that will be part of our budget in the coming years. So trying to just increase income with our facilities, whether that's short-term as well as also long-term partners. Uh, Parking, utilizing our parking garage, both across the street at the Wesley Center, as well as underground uh, for Dr. Phillips events. Um, That's turning out to be pretty busy and um, actually a a very nice source of revenue because it doesn't really involve our building. There's no AC involved. There's no electricity involved. Um, It's kind of passive space. Uh, So trying to think about how we can do that as well. Um, If you go down the list, you'll see some other recommendations. Um, recommendations for the 2023 budget, not looking to increase. Um, We'll see um, how we can do that. Um, But to have, uh, to try to save money and to reduce costs. Um, Establishing an active stewardship committee and chairperson. Well, that's already happened and stewardship is working and they will be um, sending out information, I think, starting in September, August, something like that. Yeah. Um, looking at grants, um, looking at long-term, our care of the Wesley Ledbetter building. Uh, Vance will talk some more about some of these other things. Um, we have endowment funds and using, utilizing those. Currently, we have 4% of the endowment. Um, so the ending balance of t- December 31st, uh, 2022, 4% of that. Um, goes into the operating budget for 2023. Um, Not all churches have an endowment, so that's a blessing. (laughs) Um, And to have an an endowment the size that ours is, is a blessing. Um, But as you know, if you've been maybe watching your own investments, right? Like we're on a little bit of a roller coaster ride, right? When the market is really good, investments are good. But when it's down, the endowment will be down. And so our revenue fluctuates. Uh, based on how the endowment performs and performs especially by the end of the year. Um, Yeah, so I'll let you kind of read over this list a little bit more, um, but know that um, a team has kind of started to work to identify um, some um, areas that we can kind of move uh, forward and try to tackle um, some plans to try to kind of bring in revenue uh, for the church. Uh, we're open to other ideas that maybe not be that are not included on this list that we didn't think about, um, and trying to start now. Uh, that's why we're having this conversation now, like starting now to see like what can we do so that by the end of 2023 uh, we have a stable budget, we have uh, recouped um, kind of declines in revenue or things like that. So I believe that was what I was covering. 
The only thing I would add to what Emily just said is one of the recommendations you'll see is that the recommendation of finance and council was no increase to the budget for 2023. So we are working currently on creating the budget for next year um, and holding the budget even and from 2022 into 2023. But that does mean because inflation uh, in, in certain areas that there will be parts of the budget where line items increase, which means inevitably other line items will have to decrease to be able to have a zero sum in total. Okay, so here, here's where things start to get interesting. Um, as we were been processing, like how do we make up $330,000 of income? $330,000, uh, that's a lot for me. Um, is this just because of COVID? Like, is this just, okay, we went through two hard years of COVID and we just have to figure out how to get out of this? Or is this a longer trend that maybe COVID simply accelerated? Um, so we did some looking back to 2010, and that was kind of an arbitrary time, but it, it for a lot of reasons, it kind of made sense. So there is a handout you have there that says since 2010. Um, and, and I think this tells us some things that I, this, I mean, if I'm gonna be honest, this is why we're having this meeting is that I feel like what often happens is, you know, we kind of get to the end of the year and whew, we made it, right? And now let's look at the next year. How are we going to pay next year? Whew, we did it. But we don't remember the year before that and the year before that. And trends tend to keep moving in a particular direction unless there's some intervening factor that changes the trend. Does that make sense what I just said, right? There's something has to happen for a trend to stop being a trend. Um, and so I, I would say if we have any reason for tonight, this is it. Okay. So if you would look at that sheet, there will also be on the screen, but I do recognize some of us have older eyes. So look at the, um, your handout. So annual operating expenses have, since 2010, remained fairly consistent, right? They've been more or less within the same range. So you can see where the budget was in 2010, uh, 1.5 million. We're currently at 1.7 million. That's that's not a lot of ex a lot of increase uh, from from 12 years. You'll even see that at, at the high point, the budget in 2018 got up to 1.8 million. So we're not way off of that. Uh, currently, our budget is 1.7 million and change. That's an 11 percent increase over the 12 year period. Actually, a 10 percent de decrease since 2018. But if you go back to 2010, the 1.5 million budget, and did a, a, a cost of living increase of, of what, would, what would an equal dollar be in 2022, we would have a budget of $2,090,000. So when I say we've held even, that's, that's kind of true, but in reality, we have a much smaller budget than we did in 2010, and certainly much, much smaller than we did as recently as 2018. Uh, the next category, payroll through those years has remained fairly consistent. In 2010, our, our payroll was just over a million dollars, one million three thousand dollars, and in 22, our budget is about the same, one million six thousand uh, dollars. You'll see there, you know, it's kind of gone up and down through the years. Uh, just this year, we're at 9% we're at higher than we were back in 
2018, though we haven't really increased the staff size. But again, go back to 2010, that $1,003,000. If we were budgeting the same today, we would have a, a staffing budget of, of $1.3 million. That's, that's several positions, right? And just, you know, and just think, those of you who have been around for a while, think of the staff this church used to have that we don't have anymore. Number of, number of folks, positions, just the music department, just the youth department, just the, every, there were multiple people serving in each of the areas. We, we don't have nearly the staff. I see Barry back there. You haven't had a full complement of helpers in a long time, have you, Barry? Um, it, it, a much smaller staff has, has how we have kept that. Um, and I'll just anecdotally, we arrived in 2019. We did not end 2019 in the black. We ended in the red. Um, and, we, and we did not fund the 2020 budget. And so January, our first January here, we, we had to make staff cuts um, to, to get us into budget um, as part, part of the reduction. Next category, um, annual pledges. Annual pledges, while, while certain things have remained kind of static in terms of budget, annual pledges have steadily, predictably dropped for the last 12 years. In, 2020, in 2010, we received 1.3 million in pledges. Um, and, and last year, which was an excellent campaign, Charlie Mitchell led our campaign, did a, a, a thorough job. I mean, it had a team. It was a good process. Uh, ended the year with 929,000 in pledges, uh, which is actually a, um, well, clearly, you know, a $300,000 decrease from 2010. But if you do the equivalent of what 2020, $2010 are worth, uh, it, that would be 1.7. That's a, a 35% decrease and amount of pledging we've received. And just look down the, if you just look down, you can see uh, 2012, a 7% de decrease, 2013, 7% decrease. We kind of held on for a couple of years, 2017, 9%, 2018, 15%. You, you, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna use the word predictable almost. It's been consistent, it just, it's a repeated pattern, right? It's a trend that's been going on for a long time. Uh, along with that, uh, and almost, you know, hardly, hardly surprising, uh, the number of pledging units has also steadily dropped. And pledging unit is some, you know, some families might be two pledges in a family, you know, a, a husband and wife might pledge separately or whatever the case might be. More than often, more than the often is the case, a family is one gift. You know, Kelly and I give, make one pledge to the church. So in a family unit, usually, usually is a household, but not, not always. But we had 381 giving units, pledging units, and uh, pledging units, that's different than giving units, pledging units in 2010. And, and this year, uh, 199. It's, it's like half, right? Over, over 12 years, that's a 48% decrease. Um, and a 14% just from the last year. Um, and then here's the final one, which is, which is very interesting. And, I, and I, this probably is a useless exercise, but because um, some of you already know the answer. If you know the answer, don't, don't answer this. What, what percentage do you think um, 
member giving, it make, what percentage of an annual budget's income comes from member giving? Would you guess? And if you know the answer, don't answer, because I've said it in a couple of meetings. Mark? No, 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 in our church. In, a, in, our, in our church, we would assume pledges plus other giving, unpledged giving. That is what percentage of our budget? Would you guess? Anybody? 60? Did somebody say 60? Wow, that's pretty good. Did you know the answer? In most churches, it's over 90%. In our church this year, it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 60 to 65%, depending on what uh, unpledged income ends up coming in for the year. That means 35 to 40% of our budget is funded from other sources, not from member contributions. And uh, that, that frankly shocked me when I, just, when I realized that, which was fairly recently, the, the, the aha moment happened. Now, I don't know if this should make us feel any better or not, but this is reflected as a national trend that churches are having to figure out how to make up the gap. This is happening. We're not the only ones that are struggling with this, but, but it is rather shocking. Like even in stewardship meetings where we talked about, you know, how we communicate to the church. Well, you fund our budget. Well, sort of 60% of it. Um, it, there, there's a big chunk that comes from other places, which, which it has to come. We're going to talk about, talk about that in just a moment, but look at the, look at the difference there. That's the last one, dependence on other income in 2020 and 2010, uh, we budgeted, or I think we actually received this is actual $65,895 today. That would be 87,000. But in reality, in 2022, 593,000. Uh, comes from other than pledges and and non-pledged offerings, right? 111% increase dependent on non-member giving. Income sources beyond members giving. Is that clear? That's, that's the same. And you see the, as you look at the number, you see how it just gradually goes up, 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 right? Okay. Point of all that, this isn't a trend. I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a COVID cause. COVID probably accelerated, but these things have been going on for a bit. If you have questions, just keep hold of it. We're going we're gonna to come to it. I want to name a couple other, uh, I want to talk about indebtedness for just a moment. Um, do we have, there it is. Uh, this also is in your, uh, the, the mid-year, mid-summer um, brochure that was on the table. So uh, we had a capital campaign a year ago. Vernon was our, is, is our chair and our, our capital campaign. We really want to retire this debt. We've been carrying it for 30 plus years. Uh, when we started, it was like one point, how much, Vernon? 1.8, 1.9? 1.9. So you see up there that the loan and debt as of today is 1.3 million. Uh, we've made principal payments this year because, because people making paying their pledges on that We've been able to pay toward the, the principal, 234918 saved interest, which is a great thing that reduces what we pay totally. Uh, interest saved or life alone, $330,000. If we keep on track, that's good. We've shortened the loan term by 4.5 years. But look at these last two numbers. The total pledge to debt retirement was just shy of a million. That's good. That's good. It brings it down. Um, but if you... Uh, received to date 635,000. If you take that off from the 983, that's about 300,000. That means that when this phase is done, we'll still have a million dollars of debt. That's some, the simple math. That makes sense, right? I see nods. 
I also see glaze. So, um, <laughs> so let me mention some other factors. And there's another slide for that, I believe. Yeah. Um, I do think COVID accelerated existing trends. Um, one of the things that, you know, we, you can't help but notice that attendance is down in our worship services. Well, we're not the only ones. The, the, this, you know, it's nationwide. The trend is about churches, about 50%. Bible, they say that's about right. The churches post, post pandemic, if, we're, if we are that, I don't know if we are, um, are, are worshiping about 50% as they were prior. Um, we have not gotten a long list of church transfers. You know, normally when somebody says they're going to join another church, you know, we have pastors have to sign a little document that we know that we, we don't get those. So it's not that people have decided they don't like first church and they're going to go down the street to another church. They've just stopped going to church. Um, a lot of folks just stopped going and that's an, and that's an, a national trend. Um, I think that there is a, a, a part of this for us in terms of the lower number and fewer gifts is because of some of the tension that's going on in the United Methodist Church, the impending delayed divide. I, I think we've, we've, we've lost folks on both sides of that issue, um, to be honest. Um, and with it, other issues that are going on politically. Um, I, I was... I was told throughout the pandemic that we weren't being nearly careful enough and that I was giving into the hysterics. And we lost people for both. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're living into that reality. Um, there, there is, and I think we all know this, uh, in the world around us, a declining interest in church. Just all the national trends are fewer and fewer people go to church. Um, and it's probably not hard to think of some of those folks, is it? You know, folks that grew up in this church, kids that grew up in this church, that are folks that used to go to this church, that are in the community. Some were back. They were. Yeah, we saw a few familiar faces we did. Um, and uh, this is, a you know, just needs to be said. Um, we have an aging membership. Um, if you look, we just, the, the, the stewardship committee, uh, just took a look at the, the pledges and, and the giving units. Uh, over half of the folks who give to our church are over 70. Over, and, and by the way, the, the biggest givers to this church are all over 70. Well, we, that means we lose significant. Every year we lose income because we lose people <laughs> uh, who, when they die, they no longer give. Now, some of them give to our endowment, which is a wonderful thing, but... That's just a reality. If we're not growing in the younger side also, then, then that, you can see where that trend is heading. So I want to leave you with three numbers, and, I'm, and we're gonna, we'll turn it back to Emily. Three numbers, um, 330 that we need to figure out how to, how to fund annually from now on just to keep our budget where it is now, right? That's, not, that's no increase for cost of living. We have to find $330,000 of new income to do that. It can come from a variety of sources. Uh, recently, trustees, Jill is here, spoke to church finance committee um, and identified about $750,000 of repairs we're anticipating in the next five years. Um, and by the way, while I've been standing here, water has dripped on my papers. We have a leak. These are old. The roof on our new building, our roof isn't, this isn't so new anymore. We're 
the roof needs repair. Sanctuary, we're not even clear for sure when the sanctuary was last roofed. We know that the Asbury Ledbetter building roofs are within five years and there's AC issues. We've had AC issues in this building as early as this morning. Um, and now that we're landlords, by the way, it's even more important, not just because we want to keep our buildings up, but we have a responsibility to those who come and use our building. Um, and then I've already mentioned the million dollar in capital debt, um, which, which by the way, our current campaign ends in the next year or so, right? And how do we do that? So here's, this is, this is, other than just our regular doing business month by month, this lingers, hangs over us, right? $2 million, $2 million that we don't have a funding source for. Okay, Emily. <laughs> so some other factors uh, that maybe factor into the 330,000, the 750,000 in capital um, improvements, capital repairs, um, as well as also the $1 million debt um, is my speaker on? Maybe. There it is. There it is, I think. Yeah. We don't really have operating reserves, right? The $330,000, like we're, we kind of created reserves with money that we received um, during the pandemic and we were able to save money. Um, but prior to that, we didn't have operating reserves, um, some churches do. Some churches and other nonprofits and organizations work to have about maybe a six-month reserve. Um, maybe you and your own personal finances uh, try to have some reserve money set aside. So like if you were out of work or if you had some sort of major expense, um, you could cover it. Um, prior to the pandemic, we had zero dollars in any operating reserves. Uh, now we have endowment. We have maintenance reserve. We have a couple of emergency repair fund. We had a couple of funds set aside very specifically for facility-related costs. But in terms of just the general um, reserves, um, money in the checking account or in um, the savings account, um, and, and quite frankly, before we found out we were eligible, there was a thing called the PPP loans or grants. Um, we were kind of really concerned how are we going to pay our staff during the pandemic? Um, will we be able to do that? We didn't have money <laughs> set aside to do so. I know churches um, in South Florida and, and throughout the state of Florida that prior to online giving, when a hurricane hit, it was really hard <laughs> uh, because you had expenses, but you maybe weren't having worship to be able to receive offering gifts and so it's like, how do you have, how, how do you pay your staff in the event of a hurricane or some other natural disaster? Bob is here. He's our DS. He can tell you stories from his own ministry of, um, of things like that. So on the one hand, online giving is great and people setting up like their routine gifts um, because that was super helpful during the pandemic. Um, but it was also really scary. And so I think going forward, how do we have reserves? How do we uh, be good stewards of the money that's entrusted to us? And some of that can be 
to have reserves, to have some savings, to be able to um, wisely um, pay for things when emergencies happen, when situations arise. Um, we talked about the endowment. Uh, the endowment is some of that other revenue that comes in, um, some of that 40%, 30, yeah, 40% of uh, our revenue. Uh, the endowment is part of that. It didn't used to be that way. Some of you that have been around the church for a long time can be like, oh, we didn't used to do that. We used to um, have the endowment money went to something else or it wasn't spent at all. And now it comes in, 4% comes into the operating budget. Um, and what happens when the endowment fund is down? <laughs> That's less money coming in as revenue. Uh, we're having some staff changes. Uh, some of you know, if you've read the online newsletter, you know that Kimberly Gibson, who's been the executive director of the Wesley Center for 10 years, uh, she's transitioning out of the Wesley Center and uh, moving into some other opportunities for her. And we bless her in that. And we're so grateful for her faithful years of service and for her leadership and all that she's given to us in the Wesley Center. And the Wesley Board and Staff Parish is committed to getting the, the next director like the best person uh, that we can bring on our staff to, to lead the Wesley Center into the future. And we know that even in the best of times, those transitions are sometimes rough. The relationships that Kimberly has built with the staff and with the families, um, some of those people, may, may, they may not stay with us. And that's just the reality. We're going to try to have the best transition possible. We're going to try to make zero mistakes. And yet we know that even in the best of times, um, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. It's going to be a transition for us. And so while we want the Wesley Center to grow, it's going to probably have to take some relationship building with that new director uh, to be able to do that. Uh, John Stiles Williams, who's for the past three years, three years and some change, has been our director of facilities. Um, he received that from Laney. And uh, Lainey being a faithful church member and um, kind of helped some of those increases that you saw uh, from facility use and other revenue sources. Um, John, Lainey passed the baton to John and John, he carried it and helped to grow it and maintain it um, and help us kind of revitalize it after COVID. And with John transitioning back into the school system, again, we're going to be looking for the next best director of facilities and community partnerships. And we also know that that person is going to need to take some time to build those relationships and to cultivate those partnerships and whatever new uh, partnerships, uh, that those will take some time as well. So that will impact um, revenue, could potentially revenue uh, impact that. And then last, just cost of living increases. Um, you know, we have wonderful staff, and we have um, ministries, and money goes to fund those things. And as you know, with inflation, um, your dollar goes, doesn't go as far as it did maybe six months ago or a year ago. And so that's a reality that we're facing not only, you know, in your own budget, in your own personal life, uh, but also here at the church uh, with how do we um, have excellent ministry program? How do we um, do excellent ministry and be the best stewards of the money that's been entrusted to us uh, with costs being what they are? Um, so those are some of just those kind of 
concerns that factor into the 330, the 750, and the $1 million. So I think with that, turning it back over to you. So just a few more comments and then we'll do questions and comments and so forth. So especially folks on Zoom, if you wanna start typing those into, um, into the chat, that would be great. So I, I just wanna talk possible solutions for a moment. And we've already done that. The, the, you've already seen 16 recommendations. Um, but I wanna, I wanna talk about those in terms of like scope and scale and implications related. Um, one, I mean, of course, Emily just said it, of course we know that we wanna grow participation and membership. Part of that's recovering from COVID. Part of that's because we have good news to share. Uh, part of that is, is the, we want our church to be a healthy, growing, thriving church. When you're growing, that's usually an indication that something positive is happening there. Uh, I, I do want us to keep in check that the purpose of growing our church isn't to find more people to help us pay our bills, right? I mean, we, this is, we want to grow our family, right? We want to grow, we want to reach people that need what we have here. Uh, that, that we've got to keep that. And I would add also, we're trying real hard. <laughs> um, it, it's not like we're waiting to grow next year, um, you know, the hiring of Savannah and Becky for children and youth, that was a strategic decision so that we could attract families to be part of our young families to be part of our church. Frankly, we didn't have enough children to, to warrant hiring a full-time children's director, nor, nor youth at the time, but we're, we believe we're going to, right? That's a strategic investment. Uh, we did a mass mailing at Easter. We've done advertising and watermark uh, to the LGBTQ community. We're present out in community events. Like we're, we are working on growing. That's not something we're deferring to. We're working on that now. Um, inevitably, uh, and I could have predicted this, and I suspect somebody's ready to step to a mic and say it. Uh, many see the property across the street, Asbury Better property, uh, where the preschool is as, as the number one solution to our financial woes. Um, and, and we are going to be forming a committee to be taking a look at how, what is the best future use of that property. Whether or not it's smart to invest a lot of money into those buildings again is a question that a group needs to wrestle with. Uh, if there's a better way to use that property uh, for the overall health of our church. There's a, we need a group to really study that, an expert group to figure that out. Um, we, we, we're aware that there's, there are feelings in the church around that issue, and not everybody's in agreement by any means. Um, I, I think probably the, very, the most likely um, solution to our challenge is increased facility use by non-members. Uh, so that might be uh, first point, uh, outside groups coming in to use our building like we do, you know, like Orange County Public Schools is here this summer doing curriculum development, increasing that, uh, doing a lot more of that, um, increasing that traffic significantly. Uh, John, how much was the budget for you when you joined the staff that, that we needed to This year we budgeted 75 and that was down because we were recovering from COVID groups, trying to get groups back in to do, but we're going to hit where? 
150. So we're more than doubling. Um, but in reality, that probably needs to get tripled in the coming years. I mean, we're, we're talking about like, that sounds, that's great, 150. It, it's probably got to get much higher. But there's also tax implications related to being a not-for-profit and this particular property in the way it's owned. So it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act, how high we can go there and so forth. Um, it also probably needs, that means that we need to find another HSN. Um, currently, Emily mentioned this earlier, currently HSN is barely reflected in our operating budget because all of that rental income is going into operating um, maintenance reserves. That is how we're paying for a lot of our property repairs. We're, we probably need more of those, but, but unlike OCPS, we'll be here tomorrow, but we get to use this today. Groups like HSN take that, we don't get to use those offices anymore as long as they're renting. You follow? I mean, so there's, there's a certain amount of income we can get from groups coming in and out, you know, come to your concert, you know, come to your workshop. It's a different reality when we, someone makes an office here, right? We gain more income from it consistently monthly, but that means we don't get to use those rooms anymore. Uh, but very likely that's got to be part. And a possible solution that I don't care for at all is reduced programming. That if we can't do these other things, then that means we have to start as leaders of the church deciding what we're not going to do anymore. Um, and one of those things, just to be honest with you right now, is care for our senior members. Like we, we, we are doing not nearly enough for our homebound folk. Rodney's here. He visited our homebound. Uh, think of the work that Paul Juvenal did for years visiting our homebound. Now, Emily, I do as best we can um, to get out to folks. And even today, I heard about somebody that, why haven't we visited, right? You know, that, well, we have less folks out doing that sort of thing. I don't want us to get down to, to, to that being our solution. Um, I, that's, that's absolutely right, right? That's absolutely right. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.